There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Ozil is in here. Beautiful goal. Walcott. What a goal. Inflicted by Alexis Sanchez. A quality goal from the Gunners. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. For Monday, the 10th of October, I'm your host, Russell Hargreaves. Coming up, we're going to be chatting to the London Evening Standard's James Olley, who joins us as our Arsenal Insider. Lady star Josie Henning talks about winning Olympic gold in Brazil. We're back to the chalkboard as we build up to the game against Swansea with Adrian Clark. We also kick off with a big interview with Inform Young Gunners star Alex Iwobi. Young Alex Iwobi has enjoyed a meteoric rise to the first team in the past 12 months, becoming a key member of Arsene Wenger's side. Alex has been speaking to the Arsenal Weekly podcast about what has been quite a year. So Alex, it's a new season, you've got a new number, can you explain why? Um, new number, yeah. Um, I wanted to keep the 45 as it is what I started with with the first team and I enjoyed the number and I started a little trend with that. However, 45 is a youth team number so I did have to change. And I only had two options, but I heard Alexis was switching numbers, so I thought, well, let me, let me start a new legacy with the number 17. And last season was your first as part of the first team. So what initiation song did you go for? And tell me what the reaction was Oh, like. my word. I had to do it twice because the first one was very, very bad. It was against West Brom, West Brom away. And I froze, absolutely froze. I tried three songs and I forgot them completely. So I, I'd end up singing Happy Birthday to Arsenal on that day, which was so embarrassing. But I had to do it again against Galatasaray in the Champions League away. And I just went for Mario, um, Just a Friend. How did that go down? There was three of us that had to sing that day. I was the worst out of the three. So it, <laughs> just, let's just leave it at that. <laughs> So it's obviously a new season for you. You had such a good spell last season, but it's a new season for you. So is it harder because people would expect more from you now? Um, no, not at all. I'm not really phased all of that. I just, I've set my targets and goals. I just have to try and prove to everyone that I'm good enough to play in the team. Do you think the opposition are treating you a bit differently now because you were, you were sort of fresh for them? They didn't know about you. They know about you now. Do you think that that's going to make it more difficult for you? Um, not at all. I, not at all. I don't really see it like that. I'm sure they look at 
everyone the same way. They treat every player, every team the same way, a certain way. So, yeah, it's not really. Could you have ever dreamt it would go quite so well and quite so quickly? Um, honestly, no, I didn't expect to be where I am today. I thought time ago I was going to be on loan and probably get experience there before having experience in the first team. But the fact that the boss trusted me to jump into the first team as quick as I did, I'm just grateful for it. What have been the highlights of the last year for you? There's been quite a few to choose from. Definitely playing against Barcelona is my favourite. I mean, the best team in the world, the Myers, best players in the world, best player in the world. It was just, it was just a crazy feeling and I thought I did, I performed OK and performed to the best that I could have done. So that was definitely one moment I cherish. The fans seem to really love you because you've sort of come through the academy. Do you feel like you're particularly close to the fans? Do you feel that bond with them? Um, yeah, I mean, especially after games, I'm trying to go home and I'm seeing fans almost breaking my car just to grab a picture. It's just crazy. And yeah, the connection I have with the fans, I mean, I'm young and so most of the fans are young. So it's, yeah, the connection is there. How much does that mean to you to know? Does it, it must help you on the pitch when you feel that love and that support from the fans. Um, yeah, it gives you an extra boost, an extra confidence that you feel like you're up for more things and motivated to do well. So when you have the fans on your back, it's, it's such a good feeling. What's the craziest thing a, a fan has done to you? Has, has he messaged you or asked you for pictures? What's the sort of craziest thing that you feel? There's been a lot of crazy things. I remember the last game, the last home game we played, I was driving for like 15 minutes, bearing in mind I know there's a lot of traffic, but you do weave in and out. And for 15 minutes, there was one fan following me, and I was getting a bit scared because I was getting close to my destination. I was thinking, oh, I'm going to have to do a detour just to get to the destination before he ends up finding out where I'm going. And yeah, that was a bit mad. And yeah, there's, uh, there's been times I go back to my old area and the people tell me to sign, sign their hands. I will never understand signing your hand because you're always going to wash it. So I'm thinking, when people ask me for that, I'm, are you sure you're going to end up washing it? I'm like, no, please, please, I'll just, I'll just do it. But yeah, I find that funny, young man. Let's hear from another Arsenal insider on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Well, I'm pleased to say that our Arsenal insider this week is none other than the London Evening Standards, James Ollie, who joins me now. Uh, James, hello, mate. Uh, getting ready for a, a trip to Slovenia, of course, for, uh, for England. Should be a good couple of days, hopefully, for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's the, it's the you know first proper test really under Southgate, isn't it? I think the bulk of the game was very much a complete and um, performance wasn't the best, but you know they got the win. They nearly got it out of the way, and then as I say this will be a, a much tougher test. I think and we'll, we'll kind of learn a little bit more about where England are at. Be interesting to see, won't it, how one or two of the Arsenal players perform if given their opportunity. Uh, the likes of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain talking about being dropped by England and coming back with new volition. Same clearly with Theo Walcott as well. Um, just the kind of guys who hopefully if they get their chance will perform. Yeah, and I think it'll be the kind of game that will probably suit those two a little bit more, particularly Theo, because I, I think, you know, when you, you know, when you get a side like Molster that defends 5-4-1 on the edge of their own box, don't really show any ambition to get out. It's very difficult for Theo to use his pace in behind. So, you know, that being his principal threat kind of satisfied a little bit. Slovenia obviously being at home and, and having a little bit more about than you expect them to come out and play it. Um, well, I, I did cover the, the, the qualifying that England played out there um, when they won 3-2 and Jackals did such a great game that day for his fight. Um, you know, and they, and they have got an attacking threat and they will they will look to use it at home. So I think it will help England on the counter. 
in um, Box Day Chamber there as well. I mean, I, I actually spoke to him and he's going in uh, the standard today that, um, you know, he's talking about his positional uh, sort of development. You know, Wenger's sort of long earmarked him as being a central midfielder, but he's never quite consistently been given the opportunity to play there. And if you look at the strength and depth that Arsenal have got now in that position, obviously bringing in Mohamed El Nelly and Granit Jacker in the last 12 months, it's, competition for places is so great that Jackson has to go out on loan to revive his career. But interestingly, Alex has been playing in a central position in training for England and they've obviously been looking at him there. Not necessarily saying he'll get the chance against Slovenia, but clearly it's something they've got in mind for the future and um, it's something that might, I think, help his development. Because I think that I think he's best suited to probably playing centrally in a three rather than he is necessarily out wide. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting point. And just one more kind of England-related Arsenal question. Probably won't feature, but Kieran Gibbs, I see, has been called up into the squad as cover after Ryan Bertrand uh, picked up an injury during that victory against the Maltese back at the weekend. Uh, for Kieran, any opportunity for club or country is, is gratefully received at the moment because uh, he's got a, a very good player in his way in Nacho Monreal when it comes to first-team football. Yeah, he has. But I think there's been sort of signs in the last few weeks that um, Arsenal have been kind of rewarded, really. I think Kieran's got his head down and worked as hard as he can and waited for his opening. He thought it was significant that he was made captain in the uh, the League Cup tie at, at Nottingham Forest recently. And um, he's been getting a few minutes here and there. He's come on as a substitute. And, and I think that's kind of a, a sort of nod from Wenger to say, look, you know, I do appreciate that you are putting in the hard yards. But, I mean, it's interesting that, um, you know, Kieran was called up in, in respect to the fact that England only have one game and, um, you know, normally they'd think, well, they might be able to get through it without any cover. But I think because Brian Bertrand's injury and Danny Rose apparently had a, a bit of a tight hamstring earlier in the week, which I think part of the reason why he ne- not necessarily started against Malta. Um, but you never know if, if Danny's not, not up to it, if they're training today and there's any kind of issue, then Kieran might get his chance or he might, you know, again, get a chance as a substitute if, if they think that Danny can't last 90 minutes. So, with a bit of luck, Kieran gets some game time. I think he deserves it. So he's been he's been doing everything he can behind the, behind the scenes to get to get back involved again. Let's move, if we can, then, James, just away from the kind of England setup uh, as we build up toward the return of the Premier League next weekend. We'll talk about the Swansea game in detail a little bit later on in the show when we go to the chalkboard. But Arsenal, five straight wins now in all competitions, really are in some very, very good form. And, and even the games they're not playing so well in or perhaps struggling to get the results in, they are getting those late wins at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, that, that goal at Burnley was, was massive, really, just to keep the sort of momentum going. It, it, international break um, I think what I've been really impressed with most recently is the way that they're pressing the ball from the front and, and they're really you know it's very much sort of um, in thing in the Premier League you've got Guardiola coming in it's obviously his sort of mantra to press high up the pitch and really try and frighten things to scare them into the back and make sure they can't get out with the ball um, in advantageous position um, as often as you can and you know, Tottenham are doing that well under Pochettino. And I think that's one of the main reasons why um, Arsene Wenger switched Alexis to, the, to a central position as a, as a main striker. Because I think last season there were criticisms of Olivier Giroud, um, not just as far as his sort of lack of um, finishing in front of goal, his ability to be as clinical as we might like him to be, but also the fact that he doesn't always press the ball um, as ferociously as, as, as some of the other strikers in the league. And, and that's something that Alexis gives you that intensity, really, really leads in the front. And I think the, the best performances that we've seen from Arsenal this season have really carried that, that as their potential quality, that intense work rate, that real um, refusal to let a team settle on the ball and 
Uh, I think that's been really one of the, one of the main keys. It's something that Arsenal, I think, is referring to when he talks about keeping that humility going forward and, and you know understanding the importance of just the fundamental work rate allied to the talent they have. And if they can continue to do that on a consistent basis, then you know, this run will continue for a while, I think. Mm. Now, one player who's been in great form for his club this season is Alex Awobi. We've been hearing from him on the show already. Of course, scoring for Nigeria the other night as well. But uh, this kid has just come so far, hasn't he, over the last 12 months, roughly. And, and hopefully he will continue to press on and, and get even better because the potential is enormous. Yeah, it's incredible when you think that, you know, he made his debut against Sheffield Wednesday in the League Cup last season and less than 12 months on, he's rested in the League Cup so he can play against Chelsea in the Premier League. I mean, that, that just sort of shows you in, inside a year just how far he's come as a player. Um, he did his, uh, he did his, it was his first big newspaper interview with, with the Standard actually um, last month and it really came across to me how um, mature he is, how grounded he is. I think he really appreciates, um, you know, respects how far he's come and how far, of course, he's still got to go. He's still, um, only 20 years old and, and got a lot to learn in the game. But I'm, I'm really impressed with, with his maturity and, and his decision-making in the final third, I think, is one of the most impressive aspects of the game at the moment. That, you know, that's something you don't necessarily associate with a kid that young. You think you can get yourself into positions and then you won't always pick the right ball or, or try and overplay it or overcomplicate things. But he's, I, I'm really, really impressed with that about him. And, um, you know, that, that bodes very well for the future. Let's just look at two more aspects of the Arsenal team across the field to finish, if we can, James, as we kind of take stock during this international break. Uh, first of all, that key position of defensive midfield behind the advanced three, behind the front man, if you like. And, and Granit Xhaka getting increasingly more game time. Santi Cazorla fully fit and firing and, and dropping back into that position again where I think he's very comfortable. You talked about the competition for places as well. Elneny, Cockland, of course, is there, very much there or thereabouts too. It's a very rich area, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And, it, and it's quite a removal from recent years when you think that that was arguably the, the greatest vulnerability in, in Arsenal's team, that they didn't have somebody who could provide that defensive field cover. I think it's interesting that Arsenal talked quite a lot about those two, the two in that 4-2-3-1, playing in pairs and, and, and developing an understanding between the two of them. And that's, I think, why he liked Conklin and Cazorla and why they probably had an extended run um, when you might have thought, well, why is Granit Xhaka not playing? You spend the, you know, the 35 million quid and either you don't bring him in um, for the big matches, which you think he's been bought to play in. But I think that, that's kind of um, probably evolving in his thinking as time goes on because I think Jack has been increasingly impressive. You know, we always habitually talk about foreign players needing six months or so to acclimatise, but I think he's kind of shown already in the, in the first two or three months of the season that he, he's, he's rapidly learning the English game and, and you know, he, he loves to tackle and, and English fans tend to like players who like to get their foot in. So I think he's become a bit of a cult hero. Scoring, of course, from 30 yards, you know, um, more than one. It doesn't do you any harm on that front either. But um, no, I've been really impressed with him. And I think he, you know, he alongside Santi, often provides the tempo for the team. Um, it's probably going to emerge, I think, as the first choice pairing. But as you say, there are so many other options to do something. Clearly, Aaron Ramsey's about to all being well come back from uh, from injury as well. So it's, it's, it's going to be a bit of a headache, but a nice one for us. Yeah, and then do you put Aaron potentially into that advanced trio? And if you did, who would make way there? Loads of interesting quandaries for Arsene Wenger moving forward, but good problems on the whole. Uh, and James, just wanted to finish by mentioning, obviously, the back five. Increasing stability, fingers crossed. And I think Shkodran Mustafi coming in and, and settling in so quickly and being clearly such a powerful presence and such a talented and talismanic player 
looking great and really helping to bring the best out of them. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's around him for me. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it was difficult for him, I think, in a sense that he, he knew, given the injuries to Gabriel and, and, and Perma to Saka, that he was going to have to come in and, and hit the ground running. And, and when you think about how... Um, solid that back five looks now compared to the opening day of the season, um, which is not necessarily a criticism of, of Rob Holding and, and Callum Chambers, but just the, the, the evolution in, in the way that the team's um, organised and, and resilient at the back, that, that has a lot to do with, with Mustafi and, and the, the quick understanding that he's developed with Lauren Koscielny, who I think you know is still basically one of the best defenders in the league, um, uh, supremely consistent and has shown, you know, having had that break post Euro 2016 that he's kind of picked up his game, um, you know, where he left off. So, and, and you know, Hector Bellerin, I think for me, he's, he's arguably the best right back in the league at the moment. Um, and Nacho is obviously continuing his form from last season. So individually, they're playing very well. But you're right; it, it takes it often takes time if you if you bring in a sense back um, to, to develop that understanding. But I think you know the fact that he speaks the language well, the fact that he's um, you know established international. Um, play Champions League football, I think it sort of helps him to be able to settle in and, and um, yeah, hit the ground running. James, only have a safe flight out to Slovenia. Enjoy the England game and uh, we look forward to catching up with you anon on the Arsenal Weekly Podcast. And as ever, mate, we uh, value your time and thanks for joining us. No, it's a pleasure. Thanks a lot. And it's Adams, put through by Bold. Would you believe it? Or oh, Charlie George, who can hit him. It's up for grabs now! Thomas! Right at the end! On the 10th of October 1966, Tony Adams was born in Romford in London. 
He signed for the club as a schoolboy back in 1980 and made his debut aged just 17 in the year 1983. Tony became the club's youngest ever captain at the age of just 21 and would hold that position until he retired. Adams scored 48 times in 669 appearances, including the winner in the 1993 FA Cup semi-final against Tottenham. Merson takes. Adams! Well, he scored in the quarter-final, and maybe now he's settled the semi-final. We're just inside the last ten minutes. And Adams got in, Linigan was there as well, and Tottenham had no answer. Tony finished his glittering Arsenal career with four league titles, three FA Cups, two League Cups and a European Cup Winners' Cup medal to boot and was immortalised with a statue outside the Emirates Stadium to mark the club's 125th anniversary. Now, the Arsenal ladies star Josie Henning was part of the victorious Germany team that took home Olympic gold at this summer's Games in Brazil. Here's Josie talking about her experiences in Rio. Well, we were lucky to travel to uh, different cities. I think we watched, or we have seen all of them, actually. And then we had five days in the Olympic Village, which was like, yeah, that was the uh, hot sauce on a brownie. Uh, that was amazing. Um, to see all the athletes, uh, if that's Usain Bolt or Phelps or, uh, yeah, you just see them and you eat in the same uh, food hall and that's a nice experience, yeah. I think you, from the first day we were at the camp, uh, at the village, we felt the spirit, but it's more like, um, for us football women or the same with the men, they have, um, they play their tournament in, <laughs> actually, yeah, in every region of Brazil. And then when they're lucky, they come to the Olympic Village. If they're not, and they won't make it to the final, they're out. So you don't see the village at all. Um, so it's, it's like you belong to every other, um, yeah, to the whole athletes and to the Olympic uh, village, actually to the Olympics, so you feel a little bit more like this when you come to the village uh, and then it's just like a big push and you want to just win the final. What was your emotions, what were your feelings when the final whistle went? Um, I mean we knew we'd come home with the medal and that can affect you in two ways, either you're really, yeah, you're really proud and that's it and you don't have to do anything or you just say like, oh no, one more step, uh, we want the gold, and I mean that's unbelievable, some things you realize that later, like even right now, you sometimes there, there are people coming up and you you don't know them, and they just say, hey, well done, great, uh, you're going to be in history, like remembered uh, for a long time, and you don't realize that because there's never been a women's team in Germany which came so far. Um, and your name is going to be in the books, and that's uh, yeah, a nice feeling. The Chalkboard with Adrian Clark. So we're back to the ever-popular chalkboard with, I'd like to say, the ever-popular Adrian Clark, who joins <laughs> us on the line now. Clark, it's an international break, so we'll forgive the fact you're not here in the studio. It is acceptable. How are you? 
Yeah, I'm very well, thank you. I am working. I'm at London Colney at the moment. I've just uh, interviewed the Academy boss, Andres Jonker, for a breakdown special. So, um, yeah, no rest for me. Sounding like a good show. Looking forward to listening to that and watching all of your fine work. Um, we'll focus, if we can, first of all, international break. Just tell me, Clarky, what is the best performance you can remember from an Arsenal player or combination of Arsenal players on international duty? <laughs> it's a really tough question, I've got to say. There have been so many good performances from Arsenal players on international duty down the year. Looking at the current squad, I've got to say, the one that immediately springs to mind is Theo Walcott. That hat trick, was it away to Croatia? Mm. I think um, quite a few years ago now, there were doubts over whether he was good enough for England. He was a young player at the time and he just scored a stunning hat-trick. It was just brilliant. So that is the one that stands out. You've got Dennis Bergkamp at the 98 World Cup where he was brilliant. And I, I must say, could Aaron Ramsey have played any better for Wales at the last Euros? I'm not sure he could have done. That was, that was tremendous from him. So, yeah, we've got a long-standing tradition of, of top performances uh, mm. with the international team. Yeah, but for that ban, who knows whether they could have gone even further. It really did, as you say, make it clear how pivotal he was to that Wales team when he didn't play in that crucial game. I suppose Vieira and Petit, of course, France 98 for France. <laughs> they didn't do bad, did well. they? No. <laughs> no, no, I mean, they were quality players, weren't they? Petit, in particular, was fantastic, wasn't he, in that World Cup final. So, so yeah, that's probably one I did um, admit. But, uh, yeah, loads to choose from. OK, so let's start looking ahead then to when the Gunners get back into action next weekend in the Premier League. Uh, Swansea City, the opponents, and to put it mildly, Clarkey, it's been a week or two of change in South Wales, hasn't it? Francesco Guidlin out, and in has come the former USA national boss Bob Bradley, brought in by the club's American owners. This is a very, very big, and for some, a controversial call. Very controversial, because I think the supporters' trust um, own a good percentage of the club and they weren't consulted over it so, so uh, he's under pressure right from the word go is Bob Bradley um, he's a good manager he, he did very well for the US national team since then he's found you know high level opportunities pretty hard to come by he's managed uh, Egypt he's managed uh, in the Norwegian league as well um, but he's a student of the game he is you know he loves the Premier League he said that he's watched it from afar for many many years so I don't think he will be exactly unaware of Arsenal's strength going into this one. But I would say that he's on the back foot from the get-go because Swansea's fans do feel that the American owners have got their own man in here. And you look at that head-to-head -head with Arsene Wenger, obviously one vastly more experienced than the other when it comes mm -hmm. to the Premier League. But uh, you've got Bradley coming in, having been at Le Havre, where he's done pretty well, finished off with a win the other week in the, the second tier of French mm -hmm. football, up against Le Professeur himself. <laughs> yeah, it was, look, it's a baptism of fire for Bradley. If he could pick first games in charge, he probably wouldn't have chosen to play Arsene Wenger's Arsenal especially with the form they're in. I know they weren't at their very best at Burnley, but, but the team's playing really really nice football at the moment. So, yeah, it's not the game he wants, but maybe in some respect it's a freebie for Bob Bradley because nobody expects Swansea to, to come to Emirates Stadium and get the three points, which they did, of course, get on their last visit. So there's a little bit of payback, isn't there? I've got to say Swansea have produced some very good performances at Arsenal's ground in recent seasons. Um, pulled off a few... Excellent results as well. So Arsene Wenger won't be looking at this game, taking it lightly. He will be desperate to get one over on Swansea. 
And just mentioning back to Swansea, heading in in wider circumstances beyond the manager, just the four points, Clarky, so far this season, only out of the relegation zone on goal difference. It's been a tough period, hasn't it? And no wonder, I guess, Gwydalyn lost his job, even though, bizarrely, he turned up at Bradley's unveiling media conference, which I don't quite understand. He did, yeah. That was a strange one, wasn't it? Um, but, yeah, no, it's been a really poor start to the season for Swansea. They've lost their identity, really. You knew what you would get from Swansea with previous managers. We're not quite sure what their philosophy is at the moment. Um, defensively, they're struggling. Uh, replacing Ashley Williams was always going to be a massive ask for them, and they've not done that. The same with like, Andre Ayew in attack. You know, he was their top guy going forward last season, as well as Bafatimbi Gomez, of course. And they've brought in Lorente and Baston. Baston's only had one game. Lorente only scored one goal. But it feels as if they, they're just feeling their way into the season, but they can't afford to fall too much further behind. It, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really weak start to the campaign for them. So Leroy Fur, I suppose, has been one of their most potent threats. He's got their best conversion rate, hasn't he? In fact, one of the best in the league, actually. Um, would he be part of your key battleground or one of them, at least? Yeah, you know me too well. You do. You're reading me. Um, <laughs> Leroy That's why I'm beating you in the prediction competition, Clarky. That's exactly, why. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Don't, oh, I don't want to get onto that. Um, <laughs> oh, we will. we will. Leroy, we will. Yeah, Leroy Fur is making good forward runs at the moment. He's timing them excellently. Um, as does... Gilfie Stigerson as well, of course. So these two guys need to be tracked. So in that respect, I'm going to pit the big head-to-head really is the midfield battle between Cazorla and Xhaka and those two because we need we, we know that Xhaka and Cazorla will get on the ball, they'll look forward, they'll make things happen. But what's fascinating is will they track those runs? Will they communicate with their defenders when those runs come? And I, I sincerely hope they do. If they do, then you know, I think Swans will find it hard to score and Arsenal should win the game. So it's all about the midfield duel for me. And in a sentence, Adrian, how do you beat Swansea? You beat Swansea by being efficient, taking your chances, which is something Arsenal didn't do last year. But most importantly of all, you isolate the centre-halves. You get crosses into the box, you feed the ball into the front men because the two centre-halves, no matter who they are, Matt, Fernandez or Darun, they are dodgy. And Arsenal should, in theory, destroy them down the centre. Clarky, thank you for your thoughts on that. And hang on a minute, looking extremely smart, the Arsenal Weekly Podcast producer Liam Roberts walks into the studio, smoking jacket on. Liam, looking good. What's the occasion? Um, it's actually a celebration of someone finally getting a question, a prediction right. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, the Burnley game, I asked you which player would touch the ball the most times. And... Russell Hargreaves got it right. It was Santi Cazorla. Get in. Yeah, it was a, it was a gimme. It was a, it was a fix. Um, it was it was always going to be Cazorla. Although I had Jacka, and Jacka got taken off. He got substituted. So I was I was I was um, well shouting expletives uh, as I watched that game because they were pretty much neck and neck, Jacka and Cazorla. But um, yeah, that was an easy one for you, Russ. So yeah. I presume I have taken a big, healthy lead in the prediction competition. Indeed, 6-3 to Russell oh. Hargreaves now. Three yeah. points for that. So we're going to stay in the same vein this week. Um, we're going to give Adrian a chance to get it back. Swansea game, I want to know which Arsenal player will have the most shots. Well, well hopefully he'll play. Um, so I'm going to have to say Alexis. You, you've got to pick your striker. Do, will it include block shots? Because um, it's very important. I'm going to go by what up to say. Which so is yes, I think. So, uh, I yeah, think so. total, total shots, because um, Alexis tends to have quite a few efforts blocked. I'm going to go with uh, Alexis. Um, I, I just, fingers crossed, he plays. No, my luck, he'll, he'll be rested. 
this is worrying because obviously when you ended up going for someone else because I nicked yours, this is exactly what's happened this time because I would have had Alexis as well. So sloppy seconds. Um, <laughs> I am going to say, I'm tempted to say Wobi just because he's featured so brilliantly in the podcast and he's in such good form. But no, I'm going to say Theo. I'll go Theo Walcott. Fear is, of course, international break. Will he start? I'll go Walcott, but I'm, I'm not confident here. I would have said a Wobi. Oh, <laughs> Okay, we'll see. All right, chance for Clarkie to maybe close that yawning three-point gap in our competition. <laughs> Liam, thank you. Adrian is ever brilliant stuff. Get back to your training ground interviews. And of course, you can hear all of that and much more on The Breakdown next Monday. Well, that's full time on this week's show. Our thanks to Alex Iwobi, Josie Henning, James Ollie, and to Adrian Clark. Don't forget you can subscribe on iTunes, leave us a five-star review in the process and you'll never miss another episode. We're also on Acast these days as well. We're back on Monday, the 17th of October. And until then, it's bye for now. And come on, you got us. The Arsenal Weekly Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.